And we're live. How's it going, man? It's going good. good. Going good. We got we're doing a, a video and audio version of this podcast slash YouTube video right now. I got Brandon Clark in the building. This is the second time you've been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you are how many days out from your first bodybuilding competition? Four days out today. Four days out. How you feeling? Yes. Feel rough. <laughs> feel pretty rough. Yeah. So I want I wanna this is gonna be a two part series. I wanna do a right before you compete podcast. Mm-hmm. And then again, follow up right after you compete. Okay. And I want to talk about, we'll talk about your prep and kind of go into the details behind that. But I also want to talk about like the mindset, kind of how you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And then you can listen to this again after you compete. And I feel like it'll give you more perspective. Okay. We're sipping on some coffee. I've got heavy cream in mine, but you don't have anything in yours. <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't had anything in mine for a while. <laughs> yeah. That black coffee life. Yes. Um, so you're doing something pretty interesting in the fact that you're doing you're doing DSK for your nutrition. Yes. For that's the prep. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're following that you're following that to a T. Mm-hmm. But you're also not training like normally like people would normally train going into a competition prep. Right. So kinda just we we did like a little background on you on the first podcast. So mm-hmm. if anybody hadn't heard that one, definitely check that one out. This is going to be like a little in-between episode, so to speak, because we're just going to dive into a very specific topic. Okay. And I want to just talk in depth about what your prep protocol has been mm-hmm. for anybody that's not familiar with Deeper State Keto. Uh, and this is not designed to be like a salesy thing for Deeper State Keto by any means because I'm excited to see how you have incorporated it and what it's mm-hmm. done for you. But just give me, like, walk me through your prep, man. Like, when did you start? What was your weight? What was your body fat composition? Just walk me through all the details. All right, so I started on May 27th, so 20 weeks ago. This is week 20 that we're in right now. And I was at uh, 16% body fat. Um, I was was and have been following a ketogenic lifestyle for a while. And um, at the time, I was at my maintenance weight of 100. Well, I was at 186 pounds, and my typical maintenance is usually around 180 to 185. Um, so I started, uh, I went through the uh, entire DSK course to get a grasp for mm-hmm. it. And uh, before I started, um, and, uh, and then started from scratch from the beginning, setting up my macros um, based off of the, uh, the calculator that the course provides. And, uh, and essentially starting from scratch at that point, which put me, at, if I'm recalling correctly, right between um, 2,200 and 2,300 calories for my uh, personal situation. Which is pretty low to start. Yes. For a male as physically active as you are, that's a pretty low starting point. Yes. Which is probably why your calories are as low as they are now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I really want to backtrack just a second here because it's funny to me that you're following – because the DSK was not designed for bodybuilding specifically, mm-hmm. but you seem to be having pretty good results with it yeah. as a bodybuilding prep. And honestly, it's, it's the same protocol that I use when I do my prep, mm-hmm. the same protocol I use with my clients, but it's cool to me – that you followed that solely. I mean, I've, I've not helped you really at all with your nutrition. Mm-hmm. A little bit here at the end with the refeeds, but that's it. Yeah. Other than that, it's been completely just following the coursework of DSK. So, so that, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just no, to go no. The so, um, Deeper State Keto has been different than, you know, I've been following a ketogenic lifestyle now since 2016, fall of 2016. So, um, coming up on my, uh, I'm right at about three years and I had never done anything. Um, I've used this phrasing referring to deeper state keto, uh, in several posts and discussions with people, but I've never followed a ketogenic protocol so detailed and so strategic. Um, I have had a ton of success following some of the um, traditional uh, ketogenic um, guidelines, but this has taken it to a whole other level that I didn't even think was possible. And I, I initially, even at the onset, didn't think that it was really possible to 
follow a ketogenic protocol, at least to be extremely diff- difficult to keep your total carbohydrates below 10 grams. Mm-hmm. And what the course ends up doing is it teaches you so much about food, about what's really in food, and um, really trains you how to follow the strategy in order to accomplish those goals. And it is possible. You know, I've been following it now for for 20 weeks, and at the onset of it, I was um, skeptical uh, or at least uh, found it daunting, (laughs) the uh, thought of keeping my carbs that low. Mm -hmm. But having followed different protocols and gotten pretty low before, I knew that it could really only magnify the results to restrict my carbohydrates even more. I was at least confident in that. So what, I mean, from from a low carbohydrate perspective, I mean, 10 grams total carbs is incredibly low. That's kind of mm-hmm. like the, the ceiling. Like you can have less than 10 gram, grams, but you can't go over 10 grams. Right. So like most people hear that and they just feel like it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's days where I'll have more than 10 grams for sure, but for the the purpose of a very finite period of time, we're like, okay, this is a contest prep. I'm going into this with a specific goal. I want to change my composition by X amounts over this period of time. Mm-hmm. I feel like having your total carbs that low has a profound impact on your body's ability to really just strip all that is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would say I absolutely found that. And not only that, like I – one of the best things about keto is, you know, that it provides a lot of um, intestinal, like, digestive relief, uh, including intermittent fasting and, and all of that. I, I have found personally for me it's, it has done that a lot. But like everything else in this course, Deeper State Keto took it to the next level to where any potential um, digestion issues were absolutely minimal and uh, I've never really found that before with any type of um, nutrition protocol and I believe that's largely in fact the fact that carbohydrates are so strictly severely limited during the program. So I want to give people a little bit of reference here so like you you've been doing this for 20 weeks now you said? This is week 20 yes. Week 20 and you started at 186? Yes. And what are you currently? So last night I had my lowest weigh-in so far, which was 160.6. 160.6. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. So what is that, 26 pounds? 26 pounds below what I used to consider my maintenance weight. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That is one thing about competition preps in general. Like I'm not talking specific DSK, but just doing a competition prep, if you get as lean as you need to get, as lean as you should get, you start losing weight you didn't realize you had. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like you've lost any sizable amount of muscle, but, like, it's amazing how much unnecessary, or not unnecessary, but, like, just excess tissue, water, fluids, fat, the body holds when it's just at maintenance. I mean, like, it's a healthy thing. Like, a lot of people think that's bad. That's not bad. It's healthy. Mm -hmm. But what you're doing, like, the, the whole aspect of competition prep and bodybuilding in general, it's like a pretty extreme sport like this is not something that you would have to do in nature right you know this is this is kind of a an outlier and in order to get to that outlierish conditioning you have to do things that are not normal yeah and i feel like you're definitely doing things that are not normal like the things it's cool for me to watch because normally i'm on the other side of the fence and i'm the one going Mm -hmm. through the prep so like i watch some of the things that you do now and it brings me back and i'm like oh I see where he's at right now. I understand where he's coming from. He wants those miracle noodles so bad he's going to drive across town to get them. Yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. So talk a little bit about some of the changes that you've noticed that you didn't expect or didn't really have any perspective on grasping. I mean, like, here lately, like this past month, your composition has changed pretty drastically. But a lot of people expect that after, like, the first couple weeks, mm-hmm. whereas, like, the Probably for you, I'm assuming for most people, the first several weeks, it seems like nothing's changing hardly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very gradual process, which, again, is totally different from what I've done before. Because I've done um, cutting periods before 
um, since I've been following a ketogenic lifestyle where I just dialed in, got strict, was practicing daily intermittent fasting. And, uh, but I would drop my calories way too low and try and make as dramatic of a change as possible over an extremely short period of time. And in that, I noticed that I, I felt like I lost a lot of muscle mm-hmm. in the process. Um, where I would drop my calories, 500 to 700 calories, start OMADing every day, and essentially try and see how much weight I could drop in like 30 days. And uh, while that was effective at losing weight, I also felt like I got really small really fast, lost a lot of hard-earned muscle. Mm -hmm. What I noticed following Deeper State um, for the time frame that I have, 20 weeks, uh, I've noticed that I have retained a lot of muscle and I've kind of gone through phases. The initial phases where my thought process was, man, it's not coming off as fast as when I would do those really drastic cuts for 30 days. Um, But then I would go back to when I watched uh, your videos um, that are on the course, where it's like, you know, um, trust the process and uh, play the long game. You know, this is a long game approach and the process is effective, you can trust it. And so I kind of kept telling myself that, like, you know, maybe I could have lost more weight in this short period of time had I followed something else, but I'm gonna trust the process and see what happens. Um, So I kept gradually dropping, but I also, felt like I was retaining more muscle mm-hmm. in the process. So uh, another phrase that you say uh, in the course that um, stuck in my mind was gradually, ever so slightly applying pressure that forces your body to change its composition. And uh, so I kept that in mind that you know, you know, this one pound here, two pounds there, you know, that's all gonna add up You know, I've set aside 20 weeks, you know, to see how far I can go. And uh, and I'm going to trust the process on this. So as I continued, I did hit a phase. Once I started hitting the, uh, I would say, once I crossed the 10-pound barrier and was approaching uh, around 15, I started feeling like I had gotten small again. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, all right, here it is. You know, this is that that phase that I only, it was all that I knew before. But then um, as I continued, I ended up reaching a point here, I would say within this last month uh, to where there is a visual illusion taking place because I'm not putting on muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still losing body fat, but yet I'm appearing bigger, uh, more muscular. And uh, even my wife has commented that it looks like like it can't be possible that I'm less weight because it looks like I'm much more muscular than I was weeks ago. It looks like I'm putting on muscle. And I have uh, just really been astounded at um, how if you stick to it, like the consistency factor in it has a compounding snowball effect. And... Uh, you know, I mentioned in an Instagram post the other day that um, that you can absolutely trust the process on this, that it will take you to the best version of yourself. You just have to trust the process and stay consistent with it and have that mindset of that long game approach and gradually applying pressure so your body changes um, over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm a believer uh, in it. It's funny, man. Like I'm there, there are definitely different phases that your body goes through and your mind goes through, but like your body specifically goes through during the course of a prep. And like you, you lose a little bit of weight initially and a lot of it's just like just the excess, you know, food and water retention you get from eating at a surplus. And when you lose that and then you lose the next five or 10 pounds, it's like you, you're not cut enough you don't look defined enough to see the benefit from what you're doing, but you just feel smaller because you don't have that extra, like, 
fluff that has the illusion of being muscle. Mm-hmm. And that's when you look flat. That's when you look depleted. You don't look filled out, and you don't look ripped. It's like that limbo land where most people get depressed, and they just assume that nothing's working, and they give up, and they binge, and they feel full again. And then they feel like they've got more muscle, but then they just... That's why they never get super cut, because they never mm-hmm. make it through that that window. But if you do the work, and you play the long game, and you are consistent, when you do cross into that you know, definition phase, mm-hmm. where like things just start changing, it's freaky, man. It's not like things yeah. are changing in a short period of time. It's like those things are changing now because of all the work put in place leading up to that time. So if you don't yeah. put in the work, you'll never get to that phase. But once you get to that phase, you start seeing changes on like a 24-hour revolving basis. Mm-hmm. Like these past several mornings you've been coming in, we've been going through your poses, working on posing, and it's like every 24 hours, every day, every morning you come in, I see a new vein that I didn't see there yesterday, or I see like this new muscle striation that wasn't there before. And it's it's cool, man. It's cool because like, you really hone in on how these minute changes to 500 milligrams of sodium versus, you know, a little tweak, like five grams of extra fat or something makes such a profound impact on how you look. Mm-hmm. And then when you recognize that, you become like a believer in the fact that, okay, this stuff works. Yeah. You know? But most people don't ever get there, so they, they just never have that perspective, which is mm-hmm. sad because having the power to manipulate your body and how it looks like that is, is freaking awesome. Oh yeah, it's it, it's taken me to like I I've followed and you know been into bodybuilding and fitness, um, you know like I said on the last podcast ever since I was uh, in middle school, and uh, you know I always read about competition prep and read about what these um, you know bodybuilders and uh, fitness models did to get into the condition to compete on stage, and I thought I knew. You know, I, I felt like I thought I knew what what they were talking about, and um, in several of the cuts that I've done in the past, mm-hmm. I've thought that I had experienced what they had experienced, and uh, I found out that is not the case. There was a whole other level, um, a, an uncomfortable level that I had didn't even realize existed, and uh, has given me um, a lot more respect for those athletes that do this on a regular routine basis. It's funny, man. Before I did my first competition, I claimed myself as a bodybuilder. I'm like, yeah, I'm a bodybuilder. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I've yep. earned that title. I can. I train hard. I, I prep on my meals. I I carry these Tupperwares around. This is when I fall on the traditional bro diet approach. Had six meals a day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a bodybuilder. You know, I read the magazines. I watch the YouTube videos. I'm a bodybuilder. I had no right to call myself a bodybuilder until after I'd gone through that first prep. Mm-hmm. Like, what you learn about yourself, your capabilities, the mindset, the emotional, the physical, everything, you have no right to call yourself a bodybuilder until you've experienced that because that is the defining factor that makes you a bodybuilder. Yeah. And that yeah. is freaking awesome, man. Like, <laughs> when you do that, like, you will never be the same because you've totally shifted in your mind what's possible. And that has a profound impact on every aspect of your life going forward. Yeah, I uh, I really see too that you know anything that's ever been hard, like the hardest things in life, um, can usually uh, you know it's usually good things that are hard, things of value, and uh, it's those hard things that can that you go through that can produce the uh, the best results. Uh, in your own personal development um, and then in those around you. And I really feel like um, having gone through this and the, the mental challenge mm-hmm. uh, and you know it you know I've read before about how you develop mental um, strength and this is a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a test, and it is developing strength that I I feel like I'll be able to tap back into um, when I you know face different things of adversity uh, in the future. This is a this is a level um, of a challenge that uh, will not be forgotten <laughs> for sure. It's funny, man. Like the first competition 
in my mind is the hardest because you don't have any you know perspective on what it is that's about to happen like you just don't know mm-hmm. it's like the fear of the unknown is at its all-time highest and because of that there's like no light at the end of the tunnel like you know you've got a competition in a few days you know it's all going to be over soon but it's like there's just this massive unknown that gives you excitement but at the same time it's like I have no idea what I'm even doing this for yeah like there's just this gaping black hole in my future right now and I asked you a minute ago I'm like based off of how you feel now and what you've experienced thus far do you think you'll ever want to do this again and you said no mm-hmm. and I'm like okay that's totally normal that's what everybody says <laughs> but I'm excited for the follow up podcast because mm-hmm. I've got a feeling as is true with me it will be the same for you when you go through it and then you you feel like you feel after you step off stage knowing that you gave it your all there's no feeling that compares to that and you recognize that you grow so much in such a finite period of time because of this incredible hardship that you can't really replicate that in most circumstances i mean like if you have some crazy um you know unfortunate event happen that totally shifts your outlook on life i mean that that would be a profound impact that would equate but just in normal day-to-day living nothing you can do is going to make you change this much in such a short period of time you know relatively speaking i mean 20 weeks is not that long in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. so you start like you 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 go through like a reverse and then you like get back to normal life and things just start to settle down you can eat all the food you want to again but then in the back of your mind as you're living this normal day-to-day life having experienced what you're going through now you know that you have to do it again because it's like I'm settling in life right now. Like I've got to <laughs> satisfy this itch because I know I'll be a better person if I do it. You mm-hmm. know, so like for me, that's how it is for me. Like every every two years or so, two and a half, three years, I'm like, okay, I know that in order for me to push to the next level in my life to turn the page and start a new chapter, I got to do another show. Yeah, I got a feeling it might be the same for you. you know? <laughs> it's, it's totally. We'll see. It's out we'll there, see. Man. We'll see. It. Uh... Your wife probably is not going to like that. Uh, probably not. Probably not. I'll definitely um, have to get permit. I mean, that that's that is like one thing. Like I would say to anybody, like with a family. Um, and you get five kids. I'll remind everybody you get five kids, so you have no small family by any means. No, no. And when you're, I mean, I, I feel like, and I think people are going to be able to tell that are listening to this, like I am talking slow. At least I feel like I'm talking slow. And at different times having difficulty, like trying to find the word to express what I want to express. But, and it's it purely an effect of the uh, depleted state mm-hmm. that I'm in. Um, when you're coming home, you know, to a family at night, you know, they have waited all day, you know, for you and when you're at this point that I've been at in this last phase you have very little left to give and uh, you know like when you're tired and you're hungry and you know all these things your um, you know your your fuse is you know very close to blowing and uh, and you really have to be mentally aware of that and that's where you really need to you know make sure that your family backs you up on doing it before you do it um, because uh, they are going to need to support it uh, mm-hmm. because it's going to it's it's not something that you just feel by yourself unless you know you're a single guy and you live by yourself um, but even still it's going to impact those that are important in your life that you come in contact with but your family that much more because they are going through every day of those 20 weeks with you and uh, all of the calculating every macro and every meal is significant and uh, restricting yourself when they're enjoying certain times and then your patience level being very, very low uh, when, you know, at, at a lot of times as a husband and father, like that is one of the you know, greatest strengths you can have is your level of patience mm-hmm. or need to have. And that is tested. <laughs> that is tested. I honestly, I mean, I salute you, man, because I don't know, based off of the kind of person that I am, 
I don't know that I'd be able to do it. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> if I was presented that situation, I'd probably, you know, knuckle through it. But mm-hmm. having gone through several preps now and knowing the, the type of dark places I allow myself to get, probably wrongfully so, but still, nevertheless, it happens. Like, having five kids and a wife being in a situation like that while working full-time and having the responsibilities you do, I mean, my fuse would be non-existent, man. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be an unhealthy person to be around. So the fact that you've been able to do it is pretty freaking amazing, man. And I'm amazed yeah. that you you don't make excuses because, that, like, so many people say, I'm never going to do a competition. I've always wanted to. If you've never wanted to, then, then no harm, no foul. But if you've always wanted to, but then you don't allow yourself to because – Oh, I've got a full-time job. Oh, I've got kids. I've got... I mean, you have all those things, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not making excuses. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just saying, okay, this is what I've committed to. I'm going to do it. No questions asked. Let's let's make it happen. And yeah. that is incredibly respectable because you don't see that level of determination as often as you should. Mm-hmm. So keep killing it, man, because you're doing Thank it right. Thank you. Thank you. I but appreciate that. <laughs> I'm excited. Hopefully, I mean, in all fairness, like, your family, they had no idea what they were getting into when they signed up and supported you in the beginning because they had no perspective either. Right. So, right. yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I imagine you, your wife and kids are like, okay, what, when's this thing over? They are ready for this to be, oh, yeah, they ask me every uh, every couple of days how much longer, how many mm-hmm. more weeks, how many more days. Um, but then they also, like, uh, you know, the other night, um, you know, they were, uh, like looking at me and uh, talking about you know how crazy it was all the the changes and everything and uh, and, and how um, you know lean I had gotten and you know I like to uh, I always tell my oldest boy you know I really try and focus on my my oldest son John because he's 13 now and I feel like the the time is escaping me to you know have an impact on him and he's actually coming with me uh, this week and coming with us on the trip for the competition. Um, but, uh, he has a book, um, that, uh, I really like the title of, and it's just a simply titled do things that are hard. Mm-hmm. And Who's, who wrote that? Who's the author? I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, uh, but it's do things that are hard and I haven't read it, but I really like that title. <laughs> and, uh, and it made me want to read it. And, I. Uh, um, it's a book that a family member actually got for John, and uh, I loved seeing it because, you know, it's so much of life is people trying to find the easy way out, and it's always your natural tendency to go towards that comfort and that easy route. And it, it's like the it, the more that you can grasp and see the value in the hard things that you go through, and realize, okay, all right, something hard is going on in my life right now. You know, whether it's, it, it is brought about by, you know, your decision to do it um, or it's an uncontrolled circumstance. Both of them, the way that you face it and the way that you endure it and uh, persevere and come through it in the end, um, you know, will ultimately determine the person that you are and what you can contribute and uh, and so I, you know, want, um, you know, my family, uh, and uh, you know, especially my boy with the stage that he's at, John, uh, to really grasp that the importance of that of you know, life is gonna be hard, mm-hmm. and uh, it you know the the more that you can be ready for that, embrace it, and be prepared to overcome it. Um, is just going to be all steps in the right direction to making you, um, hopefully, the you know tremendous human being that you know God intended to develop you to be. Totally agree, man. I mean, I, I've said this on multiple podcasts, but the book "The Obstacle Is the Way" by Ryan Holiday is that mm-hmm. for me. Like, it's it's all about stoicism, and it, it allows you to like almost remove yourself from your body and your situation in life and analyze it third person and be like okay you know if you look at if you look at you you right now and you step away and look at third person it's like all this hardship that you're going through is self-imposed mm-hmm. like nobody's holding a gun to your head saying look you've got to eat this few calories you have to train this hard 
you have to get this little sleep. Mm-hmm. Like these are all decisions that you are imposing on yourself. Mm-hmm. My wife reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet, I bet. But I mean, you have a happy, healthy family. You've mm-hmm. got employment here at Keto Brick. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all your basic needs are met. There's people that have like missing limbs in like third world countries, like all kinds of terrible stuff that that's not their own doing. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that and then you look at your hardship in life it gives you perspective and it's like okay what I'm doing is is benefiting my my psyche my mindset I'll be able to use this knowledge going forward it's all self-imposed what in the world am I complaining about mm-hmm. and then it makes you dig that much deeper and push that much harder yeah and it's if you like for me now now that I have like a, a platform I'm seen as an influence in the keto space it's cool because that is is like a for one selfishly it's like a uh, accountability factor because I mean I don't want to let my people down my audience down by not doing what I've committed to but when you know that what you're doing is educating inspiring or informing or helping others in some form, some form or fashion it makes it that much harder to go back on it mm-hmm. so leveraging social media in that regard is huge but like the whole aspect of stoicism and mindset I mean I literally have that book The Obstacles of the Way on repeat on Audible whenever I go through a prep like I'll be doing squats and I've got this audio book you know it's mm-hmm. just like talking to me <laughs> in my head because like you get to a point where you're literally living and we've talked about this mm-hmm. you're literally living in 30 minute increments day to day to day like you have to think about what's about to happen prepare yourself both mentally and physically like opening a door becomes a task you yes. know and you have to yeah. just like make it through this 30 minutes then make it through the next 30 minutes and if you it talks about that a lot in that book you know just like making it through day by day playing the long game and sustaining it and then knowing that what you're doing is benefiting you like mm-hmm. it's possible it's positive you know yeah that that is cool man like mm-hmm. you don't get that like we we don't live in a time frame anymore not everybody but like you and I like we're we're all of our basic needs are met like I said you know we're not going to battle every single day to you know survive like we have to go out of our way to impose these hardships on ourselves or else we're just not going to grow mm-hmm. like we need to. I mean, yeah. 300 years ago, we're like survival was a question. Like, am I going to wake up and die today? Yeah. You know, like that was a question that people had to ask themselves. Whereas now it's like, I mean, you can literally get, you know, government handouts and sit on the couch and watch Netflix all day and never grow as a person. <laughs> right. So you have to go out of your way to impose these hardships. Mm-hmm. But when you do and you, you see the benefit from it, it's like, how can you imagine going through life not doing this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the um, where all of this, t- uh, you know, takes you um, is something that you can absolutely keep in your back pocket for when you face those uh, adversities that, you know, that you know, life is full of uh, mountains and valleys. And, you know, you're going to hit those low points. And there is going to be bad things happen, and I I feel like the, it's almost the same process. Like, it, but it will be so beneficial, and is so beneficial to have some adversities that you've already gone through, whether self-imposed, you know, or uncontrolled in your past that you have overcome, that you can almost have that reassurance, you know, that um, that you've been able to push through and overcome, you know, before. And uh, and so I really feel like, you know, this will be one of those things for me that I'm able to look back on and uh, and think about the process, you know, think about the process that I went through to overcome these certain periods mentally mm-hmm. and uh, and the um, mental strength that was developed in that. And then the fact that I can reflect upon that and then bring it up to utilize it in the future I think holds a lot of value there's a lot to be said for that man like uh, David Goggins says it really good he's like he's gone through all kinds of crazy hard stuff he's, you know, he's I like David Goggins a lot but mm-hmm. he's like he calls it his cookie jar you know he can reach in that cookie jar and pull something out a memory and use that whenever he goes through hardships going forward and I mean I like to do hard things on a regular basis like it reminds me of the fact that life shouldn't be easy you know, and anytime I do something hard, 
in the moment, it, it just sucks. It's like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. But then as soon as I start getting this this feelings, this, this thought of, oh, wow, this sucks, I want this to be over, I immediately go back to a contest prep, and I start reflecting on that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, did that for five months, and I'm sitting here complaining about this three hours or something I've got to do? Yeah. No, let's, let's, <laughs> let's shut up, let's stop complaining, let's get to work, let's put my head down, mm-hmm. you know? And when you have that ability to do that because you have that perspective, it makes your threshold for, like, your your pain tolerance, your patience. I mean, it makes your threshold for all things better. Mm-hmm. So what becomes your norm is higher and greater than what was your norm. And that compounded over time makes you a stronger, more resilient person. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that that's like freaking superhuman status, man. Like, once mm-hmm. you just keep doing that for your lifetime... You become untouchable, unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, you can do anything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's exciting. That's awesome. It I love is it. awesome. Well, I, I, want to, I want to talk about mindset a lot. Yeah. But I want to talk about mindset a lot when we do the follow-up podcast mm-hmm. because I want to get your after-competition mindset thoughts. Yeah. So I don't, want to, I don't want to dive too deeply into mindset with this one. All I right. want to hear some specifics on, like, what are some things that you've done to make this more sustainable, mm-hmm. whether it be, like, some hunger hacks you yeah, know, what have you done like with your macros? Like, what are your macros looking like now? Like, just give people that are listening some specifics, sure. so they have kind of a frame of reference here. So, um, so initially in the beginning, when I was determining, uh, following the macro calculator provided in the program, uh, it set my. Um, it, you go through that initial period where you're determining what your protein threshold is, where is the optimal fat level for you, and um, I had thought that uh, it would be higher fat and then it ended up I, I just didn't feel as good with higher protein and lower fat so the our, the optimal level for me is um, upper 70s low 80s for a fat percentage and uh, um, and that has proven itself even more effective I believe as the calories have I gotta dwindled. stop you real quick right there so you've lost 26 pounds you've gotten incredibly lean and you did it while eating a high fat ratio. Yeah, very high. Very high. If you want to lose body fat, you can't have dietary fat, right? That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's what they say. That's what they say. But yeah, I'm losing, burning fat, burn more fat than I ever have before in my life, eating eighty percent fat essentially, and uh, and I really feel optimal um, doing that. And it's yeah, it, it has a an even more magnified uh, effect that I feel as the calories have gotten more and more depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, so once that was uh, determined, then I continued to maintain that percentage uh, throughout the rest of the, uh, the phases as my calories gradually dropped from, like I said, it was like between 2,200 and 2,300 is what was set up for my personal body um, based off of the facts that I provided the calculator. And then, you know, all the way 20 weeks later to now, um, my calories this week is 1,466 mm-hmm. with, uh, I believe the fat is, it's in the 130s. I think it's 133. And the protein is like 58, which I've never consumed that little amount of protein. I got to stop you again here. So you're a bodybuilder and you're taking in 58 grams of protein. I imagine when this is a bodybuilding competition. We're doing this, this uh, NACA competition, which is for ketogenic athletes, which is awesome. That's the first time they've ever had it. But if you were to compete in a normal bodybuilding competition against normal competitors who are following a standard carbohydrate-based protocol, they're all going to be taking in 200, even 300 grams of protein. So you taking in 58 grams of protein, having not lost much muscle whatsoever, mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. It's so counter to what the norm is, what the what society deems is the acceptable intake for protein during a competition prep that it, it you have to just stop and think about it for a second when i did mine i was down to 1625 calories i believe and 65 grams of protein and people couldn't believe that and you're lower than mine and granted you started a lot lower than i would like to see you start but that's mm-hmm. just kind of 
what the reality was. Yeah. So since your starting calories were so low, your ending calories are pretty low. I mean, fourteen sories you said? Fourteen sixty-six. Sixty-six. Yeah. That's pretty freaking low. Can't forget low, that man. one calorie. Yeah, can't forget that one calorie. <laughs> <laughs> that thing counts. Um, which is pretty low. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not something that I would suggest anybody sustain. I've got female clients that are taking in more than that right now by a lot. Yeah. Um, but you're in a very, you know, you're in the you're in the home stretch right now. Mm-hmm. This is you're about to start ramping up calories, and at this stage, you moved on to phase three, so you're doing the refeeds. So right. right. The refeed calories are how much? Uh, I think the last time I was up close to, I was right around 2,300 calories, um, the refeed meal. Which makes eating this little calories throughout the week much more sustainable because you do have a high calorie day. Right. And that's not a carb refeed, I'm going to clarify No, no. The carbs still are um, super low um, and typically still don't go above 10 total, Um, but... I feel the positive effects of that refeed in the days that follow that I'm back on the next, you know, um, calorie deficit drop. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then by the time the day before that refeed day, so I can think about you're it. ready for that refeed day. <laughs> like it's uh, your body is depleted, but then it just like literally soaks up the nutrients like a sponge. Like you can feel it. So we're basically doing these refeeds and mimicking what we're going to do this week now that mm-hmm. that we're in peak week. So we're going to implement a ketogenic caloric refeed the day before your competition. So the refeed will be on Friday, competition is on Saturday, and that's what we've done for the past, you've had three refeeds now total? Yes, yes. And so like a lot of competitors, they'll have a, a big carb refeed, uh, not keto competitors, but I mean, some keto competitors, that's the thing, all the, all the people in the streets are doing it. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people will have a carb refeed before a competition to fill out, you know, muscle glycogen and have that fuller look on stage, have more vascularity. So I'm, I'm curious to get your take on how a keto caloric refeed, while maintaining less than 10 grams total carbs, has filled out your body and given you, I mean, what, what kind of effects are you noticing post refeed? So I noticed that. Literally within an hour, um, I go from looking depleted to um, because typically too I'm in a fasted state when mm-hmm. I'm I'm hitting that maybe had some butter in my coffee earlier in the day, and uh, when I'm having you know this um, sudden influx of uh, these calories that are predominantly coming from fat. Uh, I notice I fill out. I notice that, uh, but not fill out in a bad way. I'm not bloated at all. Like I, I still have full and complete definition in my abdominals, um, and uh, in my obliques, and yet my muscle bellies, my muscle bellies are uh, filling out, and the vascularity is like suddenly extremely pronounced. Um, and uh, I mean, it's like a roadmap, and uh, and you know, then not only that, but then all of a sudden you have the uh, you notice a huge boost in the mental clarity and your energy. You notice an immediate energy um, spike as well. And then as the uh, as time progresses and into the next day, you're still noticing you know those enhancements. Uh, because of sodium, the sodium increase is a part of that mm-hmm. as well. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's crazy. You, it's like you fill out, your muscle belly, bellies become full, but yet the definition, the striations, your abdominals, no bloating, like all of that is intact with the additional fullness of the muscle. And then you have the vascularity slapped on top of it. And it's it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, man, it's, it's exciting to see how one meal – Mm-hmm. can have such a dramatic change in how you look. And a lot of, like, that's what I don't understand, man. Like, a lot of people say they, they don't get a pump on keto. They don't fill out. They don't have, you know, full muscle bellies. Um, and it's like, I, I look at what I know based off of my own personal experiences. I look at what we've been able to replicate with you. Mm-hmm. And then I re- reach back in my memory banks and look at other clients I've worked with who have used the exact same protocol and same is true, man. Like, they'll send me before pictures and after pictures, and it's like night and day. Like, crazy vascularity, crazy pumps, crazy striations, mm-hmm. and no carbs. Yep. And it's like, 
how are people like somebody's doing something wrong out there if they're actually keto adaptive and actually lean enough to notice these crazy changes and not doing they're, they're, something's wrong yeah. you know so yeah. I think a lot of it is simply the fact that people don't ever get to that last window mm-hmm. of definition yeah. because when you get to that phase it's obvious like it's obvious that it's working Yeah. but people don't get to that phase so they start doubting and second guessing the protocol Yeah. but I mean like I don't know that just really just drives home the point of you have to put in the work to get to that phase like a lot of people do these crazy manipulations during peak week mm-hmm. expecting some miracle to happen and they're going to go from looking like they're three months out to show ready within 24 hours yeah. and it's like okay that's a little far stretched but people have that you know belief um, the cool thing about what we're doing is this peak week protocol is not very different from what we've been doing for the past 20 weeks mm-hmm. what you've been doing for the past 20 weeks and what we've been playing around with these past few weeks of refeeds I mean you can go into the competition pretty much knowing with certainty how your body's going to respond how you're going to look how you're going to feel there's no unknown variable there and that's powerful man like a lot of people especially in their first show it's like the more variables you can control the better so like mm-hmm. the less crazy manipulations you have to do right before the more certainty you're going to have the more confidence you're going to have on stage it's funny i've been waiting for that i've just been waiting for that oh no moment where i've got you know where i come to you and i'm like oh crap what what did i do what <laughs> happened we need to dissect something and uh and it's crazy it's, it hasn't happened you know it's uh the the whole trusting of the process that the process is rock solid and you know it's funny before doing deeper stay keto um i would have you know i probably in the back of my head would have always been like uh you know maybe there is something to this whole you know needing to carb up and strategically using carbs and you really need carbs for these effects or at these different times. And this has just proven to me that not only don't you need them, but following this protocol, I have gotten myself to a more depleted state in terms of, well, in terms of everything, but in terms of carbohydrates while keeping fat as the predominant highest macronutrient that I'm taking in and relying on that. And the further I take that, the more pronounced the benefits. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've kind of painted myself the, the picture in the keto space as being the very strict keto, you know, anti-carb guy. So people probably think I'm paying you off to say these things. <laughs> um, but I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I do pay you. You do work at Keto Break, but I'm not paying you to say these things. Um so, like, it, it's cool for me because I, I don't want to be this crazy outlier that this protocol only works on. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't want that. Like, I want everybody to experience what you're feeling right now because mm-hmm. you've become better for it. So it's cool for me to see you follow the protocol to a T and see it work flawlessly mm-hmm. like it's supposed to. I mean, that's what you want. And I, I've said it a million times. Like, I don't have anything against people that take carbs. I mean... That, that would be ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to define you, your value or your worth as a person based on the food you eat. You know, like if you eat carbs and that, that works well for you, then more power to you. I'll be the first to say congratulations. I'm glad it's working. Keep doing it. But I get frustrated at the idea that you are going to be sacrificing performance, sacrificing optimization, sacrificing your ability to get lean, get shredded, get ripped, get jacked, and compete as a bodybuilder unless you have carbs yeah that's not accurate Mm -hmm. and i'm speaking out against that philosophy Mm -hmm. so you doing this protocol is just another example of it working on somebody just as it should Mm -hmm. and you're going to go on stage on saturday and you're going to look freaking amazing man i mean you're (laughs) leaner than you've ever been before yep yep i mean you're freakishly lean right now like (laughs) i took pictures the other day and cares editing them now and you've seen some of them, mm-hmm. and it's like, that is not, this is alien mode. Yeah. You know? And it's, that's that's awesome, man. Like, yeah. that is freaking sweet. <laughs> I'm getting yeah, excited. And, <laughs> and what's funny, too, is, and, you know, one thing that I was, um, was going to mention as well, um, because there's a lot of uh, skepticism around it, is, you know, I haven't done a single workout in a gym. 
mm-hmm. this entire time. You know, I've done it all at home. That is one thing you're crazy for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it all at home in my garage, uh, body weight and uh, body weight exercises and resistance bands. And uh, I don't feel like limiting myself to that has hindered my progress at all. I haven't had um, one significant injury. Um, of course, if you're doing anything where you're pushing your body to the limit, you're going to have little tweaks and strains and, and some little pains here and there. But as far as anything that has limited my performance, not once. And, uh, and I've done every workout in the convenience of my own home with absolutely minimal um, equipment, essentially just a uh, power tower uh, that allows me to do pull-ups and dips and the uh, Undersun Fitness uh, resistance bands. See, that that's cool, man. Like, doing a competition prep with keto is like a, an oddity in itself, but mm-hmm. doing it with keto without any normal gym, like no cardio machines, mm-hmm. no no dumbbells, no barbells, no machine, no nothing. I mm-hmm. mean, you're u- literally using body weight, resistance bands, and a jump rope. And a jump rope, yep. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that blows my mind. Like, I'm a hardcore, you know, bodybuilder when it comes to training. Like, I like training with weights. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I would be lost without my gym. And here you are defying those odds and being like, no, I'm good. I got my little backpack, my bands, yep. a jump rope. I can do this yep. anywhere. Like, that's got to be liberating because you're literally not bound to a gym. Yeah. I mean, you the whole reason you started doing this, but you've been doing that for, what, 10 years now? Oh, yeah, longer than that. Yeah, I, I've probably been doing it 15 plus 15 plus years. And the motivation for doing it was because you, you didn't want to spend an hour and a half, two hours commuting to a gym, training at a gym, spending the month of membership at a gym, mm-hmm. just doing it at home, have more time with your family. I mean, your workouts are like 20, 30-minute workouts. Yeah, I'd, I'd say usually um, it will fall in the uh, – 30 to 45 minute range and 45 minutes is um you know unusual that it'll go that high usually it's right at 35 minutes now um and uh i'm able to uh you know keep rest periods short take my sets to failure and uh and, and notice um progress uh in my in my strength and my muscle building and, uh, you know, yeah, all in the comfort of my own home or wherever I want to do it. And the, you know, real benefit is having five kids, you know, um, it, there is not enough hours in the day, it seems. Yeah. And this allows me to, it, there's been times when, uh, when I've been like, all right, I've got the corner, I've got the corner of this room and it's chest day. Um, you know, because the kids happen to be playing in the area where I normally work out or whatever the case may be. So I'm just going to come over here and do uh, push-ups for 30, 40 minutes, all sets to failure, one-minute rest between sets. And, and I'm able to do it and get it in, and there's not there's that lack of an excuse there um, to miss a workout. That is cool, man. Like, I am blown away by your ability to get the conditioning that you have with that very primitive, rudimentary mm-hmm. workout. I mean, like, it's it's obviously been effective. I mean, it hadn't mm-hmm. sacrificed... You haven't sacrificed any loss in muscle definition because of your lack of a gym, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you feel... Just out of curiosity, I'm, I'm curious. Do you feel like you've, you know, sacrificed any potential muscular size over the past 10, 15 years by not incorporating more of the, you know, barbells, dumbbells, plate weights by just doing the body weight resistance bands? Or do you feel like that's, like, where you're at now is the basically the best you could be? I, it's funny because the, one of the reasons, too, that I went this route was I had seen people build a tremendous amount of muscle and they credit it to body weight. Um, everything from Herschel Walker to uh, to prison inmates that I, I watched, you know, during my time as a police officer, I uh, had seen them transform their bodies a- into physical specimens, and they would say a couple body weight exercises was all they did to an extreme amount of reps. Um, so it's fine. I think it's po- I, th- I think it's absolutely possible. Um, do it. I think I think all 
different types of exercise um, hold extreme value in different ways. And, you know, all of it, I believe, you know, it comes down to your goals. And, you know, so do I believe if I, um, if I did different types, I, I still like my mind's going back and forth. It's kind of crazy because, um, because I do feel like the, for, especially for muscle growth, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, um, exhausting the muscle and time under tension. And, uh, and, and that is kind of equal across the board, but everything has a different and unique vantage point. And what I ended up realizing was, all right, with the, with my family requirements, with as much as I have to work, uh, with the limited and varied sleep that I get, with the uncontrollable uh, meal times and everything, you know, I, I, I feel like all those are important variables that you have to control if you're going to optimize muscle growth as a natural athlete. Like you have to um, take those into consideration and try and optimize those, and those will all contribute towards what gains you're able to make um, physically. And realizing that a lot of those were limited for me, um, I ended up determining, you know, that I, you know, what is my goal? Um, when it gets down to it at the end of the day, um, at, at the time as a police officer, as a husband and father, what is my goal? My, and is it attainable with the limiting factors in my life? And I came to the conclusion that my goal was that was attainable was staying lean and fit year round. That uh, and the bands and body weight, you know, that um, allowed me the freedom to get my workout in anywhere, which helped me control and still accomplish my goals despite those other limiting factors in my life that I had for my current situation. Um, that makes sense. So, you know, I, you know, I lifted heavy weights in the past and uh, saw a lot of, uh, it, it seemed like every time I would go through different phases um, and I would play with reps and different exercises, I would see the muscle respond. So there's no doubt in the effectiveness. Um, but I do, I, I do think from seeing that as long as you, I think the muscle will change a slightly in appearance, but I feel like if you work out with the intensity and the purpose uh, behind what you're doing, you're going to be able to develop that muscle to its maximum potential, no matter what type of resistance you're using. Yeah, I totally respect that, man. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you look at your life, everybody's going to go through different periods in life. They have different demands on them. So whether or not you would have looked different with weights is kind of like a non-issue because that wouldn't have fit into mm -hmm. your life. Right. So it's it's a it's a mute point, basically. Mm -hmm. So doing what you've done, making that work as opposed to making an excuse for it, is very commendable. I mean... Mm -hmm. Like, you have the five kids, you have a wife, you have a full-time job, and you haven't sacrificed your goals, your endeavors, and what you've done has worked really, really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're incredibly strong. Like, I was impressed with the weight you, <laughs> when you came for the interview, I talked about it on our last podcast. Yeah, you yeah. You 405 on deadlift, mm -hmm. having not done deadlift for 11 years. Yeah. I mean, that, that amazes me. And I think the whole stimulate the muscle, don't annihilate the muscle, mm -hmm. holds a lot of weight. And if you're training with intention with purpose with a goal consistently that compounded over time yeah beats any other kind of variable so to speak mm -hmm. so yeah yeah you made me a believer man like, <laughs> i don't think i'll be transitioning to body weight and bands exclusively but mm -hmm. uh knowing just watching you it's like okay that's definitely an option for anybody that that the weight scene doesn't work for yeah they can absolutely do what you've done. Yeah, yeah. It worked really well for them. Absolutely. Like, that's what I love about it is I finally I realized that I didn't have to be in this box. Like, it, it like heavy weights or I'm, you know, going to be a toothpick. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> it doesn't have to fit in a box. Like, you can 
um, use these various methods. And as long as you keep, it's just so funny. It's as long as you keep um, investigating and, you know, a lot of it comes down to um, determining what your goal is and setting attainable goals with the boundaries that are set in your life for what you've got to juggle as an individual. And, uh, you know, my, um, my dream, uh, you know, one of my dreams, uh, and behind being, you know, a fitness enthusiast all these years was to be able to be lean and fit, you know, year round and through the keto diet, intermittent fasting and body weight and bands, you know, that is the, uh, the recipe that worked for me and my life. And I think will work for a lot of, you know, busy, um, you know, uh, family men, family women out there that find themselves with the same challenges. Like, uh, hopefully it's an encouragement to people to, to not just be like, well, you know, I, it's, it's not in, uh, in my realm of possibilities. Yeah. They're like, no, you can make it work. You've got your body weight. You've got, uh, hopefully you've got more space available to you than a prison inmate. Yeah. You can make it work. I love the whole idea of not making excuses, man. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter what that looks like for you, just simply not make excuses. I mean, that holds a lot of weight in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I got got one more question. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of running a little short on time. I only got one more important question here. All right. You've got a competition on Saturday. Mm Mm-hmm. You're the kind of person, you're not playing for second place. No. Like, you're not doing this. You're not You're not cutting corners like you play to win. You know, that's good. That's how it should be. What is your mindset now going into it? And what is going to happen? Like, I want you to be able to look back on this podcast, listen to this podcast, watch this video, and regardless of the placing, hold your head high and feel proud of what you've accomplished mm-hmm. because – you have beat all of your personal records. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have gotten leaner. You push yourself harder. You've done things you've never done before. So for that reason alone, you're a winner. I mean, mm-hmm. you've literally, like, it sounds like a cop-out, but it's not the case at all. I mean, you freaking kick an ass, mm-hmm. and you deserve to hold your head high because you've earned it. So what, like, use this time to, like, give a, a letter to yourself, so to speak, so that you can listen to this after the competition, regardless of the placing. Mm-hmm and be proud of what you've done because you should be. What would you say to your future self? I think here. Um, I would, uh, you know, I would have to, to say, you know, regardless, regardless of where I place on Saturday, um, I had accepted a challenge that scared me. It did scare me um, in the beginning, and it not only scared, but it, it because of uh, I was extremely um, challenged by the thought of ten total carbs and where the caloric restriction would get to, and being restrained to something so strategic and detailed, um, but accepted the challenge followed through on it even when uh, my body started fighting the process mm-hmm. um, and that I was able to break it down and literally at some points take it in 30 minute increments to reach uh, a certain point which I can honestly say took my physique, took my body, and took me mentally um, where it has never been before. And uh, no matter, you know, that, not to say this is the hardest thing I'll ever endure, but I have been able to uh, experience something um, so challenging yet also so rewarding that uh, it will be absolutely be something I never forget, but then also something I can um, I can think back to and draw on for strength uh, 
for the rest of my life. And that is totally true regardless of the placing, and mm-hmm. nobody can take that from you. Mm-hmm. My respect for you was already great, but the fact that you've done what you've done and I've seen you go through the process and I've seen how you carry yourself throughout it has made me respect you that much more. So, Thank you. Yeah, man, keep keep doing what you're doing because it shows in your character. Thank you. Um, well, I want to do it. Like, we're going to do a whole follow-up podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to definitely dive deeper then. I must say, though, man, I'm pretty impressed with your coherence throughout this podcast. I yeah. Mean, you probably feel depleted. I do. I do. The, I, I mean, felt the coffee kick depleted, in. But, I mean, you sound <laughs> you sound very coherent and educated. And Hopefully. There was a couple <laughs> points there where I thought, oh, no, I'm trailing off. i got to bring it back. And <laughs> you're I thought good. I was losing my mental focus there. No, you're, you're A-OK, man. You've done everything. Good, perfect. good. Um, <laughs> for anybody that does not know where to find you, mm-hmm. where can they find you? So uh, on Instagram, it's uh, I just changed it recently. It was uh, Real Life Keto Dad, but I just changed it simply to um, at Brandon.T.Clark. Make it really simple. And uh, and if you just punch in Brandon T. Clark, I'm, I'm going to pop up. And uh, then I'm on uh, Facebook under my uh, just under my general name, Brandon Clark. Awesome. And you are a Deeper State Keto coach. Yes. Which is deeperstateketo.com and yes. I'm honestly like you're going to be a better coach hands mm-hmm. down no questions asked because of this oh yeah I mean even if you're not coaching an, a competition prep athlete simply going through a competition prep gives you so much more you know knowledge of how the body responds under certain stimulations mm-hmm. certain conditions how these little variables have such a profound impact even if you can't tell it so much like if you're at a higher body fat you wouldn't be able to recognize it as much but now that you've gotten to this low body fat and your body is so hyper responsive to everything you're subjected to mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to take that knowledge for any future clients you have absolutely um, so if anybody's interested in getting coached by you mm-hmm. i totally vouch for this guy i mean brandon <laughs> clark knows this stuff he's proven it so by all means go check him out deeperstateketo.com yeah absolutely and uh we need to cover too the um one thing that we didn't get to, and it may need to be done on the on the uh, next one, but the uh, the different hacks, including how I used the keto brick the whole way through. Oh yeah, so didn't totally didn't even think. <laughs> yeah, let's definitely talk about that because I want to talk about the hunger hacks too. We kind of alluded to it, but I want to talk about that in the follow up podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll do we'll do uh, we'll, we'll schedule that one so that we're not up at time crunch with this next endeavor um, but yeah I want to dive into all those specifics man I want to give people like tangible hacks they can use tangible action plans um, and then obviously I want to talk about the results of the competition and what you feel about it all post show definitely um, so that will be the next podcast for sure awesome awesome Until then, man looking forward to it yeah. congrats brother You've thank you won. thank you <laughs>